saw on 9 by 12 screen. Actually, I don't ever see it. I just curse you with my yarmulke everywhere I go. Oh, my mom has this cool thing. My mom, my stepmom, is a, uh, was a cosmetologist. She was 82 this past Friday, so she's still not a cosmetologist. But many years ago, she was. So we had this room under our house when I was growing up. And in her bedroom, she has the only mirror I've ever seen. You can stand in the corner, and she put it right in the corner. So you can stand in this mirror, and you see the back of your head. And every Christmas when I go over there, I see it. And I feel for y'all. But anyway, uh, that's a little scary. Well, you know what? I'm not going to talk about hair transplants. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm going to talk about the roots of our spiritual lives. So this morning, turn to the back of your worship guide quickly. Let's get ready. We've got a lot to cover, and we're going to talk about we need roots in our spiritual lives. And I think this lesson will speak to you. But as I do that, I want to kind of pick on a particular age group. They're called the boomers, which I happen to be one of those. And the boomers, we know are those people that were born between the years of 1946 and 1964. And I'm going to see how well maybe you know your roots. Ready? Name the Beatles. I mean, do y'all not know the... Or y'all are really young. Y'all don't know the Beatles, do you? Okay. All right, let's... Uh, and Ringo, you know when they called him Ringo? Barry, you're in the last service. Quit. You're a... Yeah, Barry, somebody else. Y'all get with me. All right, M&M's, melt in your, yeah, okay, here's my favorite, Brill Cream, just a little, yeah, you remember that, do you? And then here's for a lot of us that are boomers that are reminiscing, we would say having long hair, longing for some hair, you know what I'm saying? All right, some of you guys, okay. Boomers, what a generation, Generation X, whatever generation they got. They got a name for every generation. It's really fascinating to look, but I was just curious. In last service, it was overwhelming. I don't think it's going to be that way this service. If you're a boomer, stand up with me. I'm just curious how many are in this service. Yeah, okay. Look at us. Yeah, good-looking group. You can be seated. I just... I know all of you are like, I didn't know we went to church for all these old people. No, no, they're not old. They're just mature. They're seasoned. They're, they're wise. Okay. Sometimes. Well, this morning, and I know this, times change. Trends come. Fads come and go. But you know what's so great? God's Word never changes. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's eternal. He's constant. He's sustainer. He's friend, and He's God. He's Redeemer. And in that, I think about how he wants to, he longs to work in our life through his unfailing love. Uh, kids are always making a difference. Um, I love to watch when kids do great feats. Around our church, we've had the habit of sending kids on foreign mission trips to Mexico in the summer. We've sent them uh, all over. We, we send them locally. We send adults out. Our team's getting ready to go to New Orleans. But, but I want to talk about kids. Kids have done that. Kids will show up early, and they'll get around their flagpole, and they'll pray. There's some kids that'll join the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and they, and they believe in that. There's other kids, they've, they've created their own causes to raise money for cancer and for research and just all kind of awesome deeds and feats. I was looking online and just looked at all the kids that have built orphanages and hospitals and, and schools, and there was a kid I heard at a conference last year, and I wish I could remember his name, 
But an amazing feat, this kid's about 11 years old, he loved the game of basketball, and he went out and he started shooting, and he raised money, then he asked his friends to do it, and then he asked more, and then he got corporate sponsors, now he's raised hundreds of thousands of dollars, and he built a school and an orphanage in Africa, and he's 11 years old. You don't tell me, kids don't matter. But there's one particular kid I'll never forget, and I pray you'll never forget her as long as you live your life. The scene was 10 years ago this April. It was 1999. It was Littleton, Colorado. She was a temporary, or temporary, she was just a typical teenager. And that day, one of her students showed up as a shooter. And he went up to Cassie Bernal. And he asked her, do you believe in God? And she boldly said, yes, I do. And he shot her and took her life. I still remember the incidences of 99, just like I do 9-11, just like I do JFK, just like I do other Martin Luther King and other big feats in my life. But in this particular one, this girl became a hero to our nation. And because of her legacy, so many kids have done great feats. And they've risen up and they've conquered things. And her mom and dad travel across America speaking a word of inspiration and hope and faith into the nation and to today's teenagers. And I found out the other day that her book is now, that her mom and dad have written, has just sold one million copies. May her legacy live on for the ages. Do you believe in God? Yes, I do. Why don't we just put our hands together and thank God for her memory this morning. See, I don't want to forget stuff like that. In the Old Testament, they're, they're telling them, tie it around your finger, put it on your doorpost, put it on the frame. Don't forget this. Don't forget the Scripture. And we forget. And yet God has so much more for us. But in this, the book of Psalms, if you look at chapter 1, turn there, you can look on your back of your worship guide. There's a, there's a passage. It's only the first three verses, and it says this from God's Word. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night, a wise man. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water which yields its fruit in seasons and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Man, that, that is such a word of encouragement that if we will stand tall for God and if we will plant our lives in the river, in the oasis of the Holy Spirit, God will sustain us and we will bear fruit. How many want to be a part of that generation? That's the one I want. Man, I want my life. I want your lives to count. I want you to bear much fruit. Jesus said, you'll bear fruit. And you'll bear much fruit if you abide in me and I abide in you. But there's three truths I want to talk about today to establishing roots. The first one's a little odd. Number one, close the zoo. You say, man, you're calling my home a zoo? I could call it a village. I could call it a zoo. I could call it chaos. I could call it heaven. Although I ain't been in many of those. We could call it any number of things. But there's a story about the zoo in Hong Kong. And in the zoo in Hong Kong, it was open seven days a week, and people would come and they would watch all the variety of animals, and it was an awesome thing. But they noticed that the chimpanzees and the apes, they started getting sick. And they got quite testy, and they got just out of control. So they called in all the veterinarian science people and the doctors, and they began to study, and they said, we're going to try an experiment. We're going to close the zoo two days a week and only be open five, no longer seven days. And a remarkable thing happened at that zoo. As they closed the zoo, as they changed the pattern of the zoo, the animals were not testy any longer. 
the sick became well. And the pattern established for us this morning is sometimes we just need to close the zoo. The zoo would be a synonym for home this morning. Sometimes we just need to call in our hens, our chicks. We just need to pull them in and go, we're pulling in the home front. We just need to nourish you. We need to strengthen you. We need to change our pace. We're tired. We're weary. We've got so much that's bombarding us and coming at us constantly. And you're sick. And you're sick spiritually. And you're sick relationally. Maybe physically. We need to slow down. Because our kids are, are thrown at media and porn and sexuality and violence and drugs. And on and on and on. I could just list all kind of sins. And man, it's hard being a teenager. It's hard being a child. And God, I think, wants me to remind you and remind me, let's just slow down and change the pace and spend some time in the home. I'm grateful for my home. The home that my wife and I have created for our girls as they've grown now. But it's a place of refuge, a place of peace. And I want to talk about that for a minute because I want you to write down this thought. In your home, you should protect kids from the storms of life. In your home. Oh, it's fine that you have other homes you can go to, but the home that you occupy, men, the home that you lead, single moms, the home that you lead should be a place of shelter. Listen to Proverbs chapter 14, 26, and I'm going to do some from the Living Bible. Usually I will use the NIV and the NLT and the NAS, and you're saying, man, are you speaking Greek? No, they're translations. But the LB, one of the first paraphrases, I like the way it says in the Living Bible. Listen to 1426, reverence for the Lord gives a man deep strength. His children have a place of refuge and security. I think our home should be a place of security and strength and honor and valor and dignity and joy and healing and hope and security. Not a place that's become for so many abuse. Abuse physically. It's wrong. Abuse morally and spiritually. It's wrong. It should be a place of security. But you and I can't protect our kids from everything. But we can create a safe haven called the home. A place of refuge. There's three things we can expect. Write these down. Just write it somewhere. I think you'll save it. You'll use it for another day. There's three things that you and I can expect in a storm. Here's the first one. We can expect a change in the storm. Every week I get calls and emails. Pastor. We just went to the doctor. And my husband, my grandfather, my dad, my mom, my sister, my aunt, my employer, my cousin, have got cancer. I hate cancer with a passion. It is rampant on our land. And it changes lives. People move. Man, that brings about change. But you can count in storms that there's going to be in schools and situations. There's a lot of stress in change. Too much change will kind of scare you. That's a little scary because I love change. It's one of our values here. Change and it's healthy. Life change, but change. We want predictability and stability. And there's a time for that. Secondly, a thing we can expect is failure. When we don't win all the time, and we won't win all the time. We can have some failure. And failure's okay. Failure's not a bad thing. See, when our kids come home and they failed, they need to come into a place that they get hugs and love and say, you're okay. And we accept you here. And we believe in you. And we're cheering for you. In other words, we believe you're 10. You know, in the Olympics, we watch the Olympics. I've always been amazed. We all become stinking experts during the Olympics. I mean, I know nothing about synchronized swimming. 
got the diving platform. Do I look like I know anything about diving? I don't even like heights. You know what I'm talking about? Like, oh, too much ripple in the water when they hit. <laughs> I'm amazed. I, I just laugh at us, myself, when we talk about. But you know what? We go, oh, a bust. That's a 5'2". What do we give our kids? Our kids need 10s. Mom and dads, we need to give our kids 10s. Hello? They need it, man. They're not getting it from the world. Here's a third thing we can expect in a storm. Rejection. It starts out early in life, doesn't it? Do you remember like I do that there was some bully? There was somebody, maybe you were the bully. There was somebody at your school and they labeled you with a nickname that stuck in elementary, junior high, maybe high school. So that home should be a place that they're no longer rejected. They're accepted. They're valued. They're honored. They're blessed. They feel secure at home. I think it's one of the strongest messages I can preach is that let's build godly homes for Jesus Christ. Refuge from the storm. Matthew 3.25, Jesus warns, A house divided against itself, that house, it cannot stand. So in the parenting relationship, we need to be unified. And in the unification of the family, the house stands as one. The, hand stand, the house stands strong. And in that house, there is protection and there is peace and there is security and there is joy and there is life for all that would dwell there. So I like to say the home is a place to huddle. I know when I played football in junior high, because I was a big baseball player in high school, but in junior high I played football, and I remember we'd get in those huddles. And I've seen the church, and the church of Jesus Christ loves to huddle. And there's a time to huddle, and there's a time to huddle in the church, and huddle in small groups, and huddle in your home, but then you have to break out and play the game of life. So make the huddle meaningful. You know, in pro football, if they have huddles and there's chaos in there and nothing happens, man, they look ridiculous and they get beat and they're not playing in the Super Bowl. But you know what? When there's direction in the huddle, something happens. So we need to close the zoo. Let me give you this, Proverbs 23 and 7. A translation is going to come up, the NIV, but I, want, I like the NAS. It says it best. For as he thinks within himself, so he is. As we think within our very being, that is who we are. We become what the greatest or what the people that we believe in, what they think about us, what they believe about us, that is what we become. Is that not true? Very powerful what we project on people, what we, what we say they are. You are a champion. I, I was just thinking about this. Every time we dedicate children, I think about a, a princess. I think about a young Timothy. I think about a champion of faith. I call out names of honor because I want to see those little boys and girls rise up to be those people. I've often wondered what would have happened at Columbine had the young men that were shooters been blessed and grown up in a home that was secure and that they were spoken blessings over by their church and by their leaders. Could it have turned out differently? I don't know. Just a thought. Movies, television, media, all that stuff just comes in and, and it fills our mind. And it's like these images, they stick. It's like Velcro. It's like right now, if I put Velcro on that back wall and I put on a Velcro suit and I went running and I hit that wall, wouldn't it be hilarious to watch that? And I got a feeling y'all wouldn't come unstick me. Church is over. Hey, somebody get me off this wall. Somebody help the kid. You know what I'm saying? Kid, you know, I guess I'm kid anymore anyway here we go but you you want to get off oh images spiritually morally intellectually things stick in our mind but let me tell you something i want you to stick to not velcro because velcro does pretty good job how about let the word of god stick to your life 
Let the Word of God be your Velcro. Here it is. Your eternal Velcro is the Word of God. Isn't that good? Eternal Velcro. Velcro that never needs replacement. Sound like I'm doing a late night commercial. Let's move on. Okay, here we go. It's time to close the zoo. It's time to close the home. But Philippians 4.8, I love this when the Apostle Paul, he says, I know they're going to struggle with mindset. I know their thought life is going to be less, but I want to give them something. So here's what he says. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, yes, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Think about such things. These things are the things of the kingdom. These are the things that will bring life and value to you and to others. So Paul gives us this healthy thing. It's like, I've thought about this. We, we worry about germs and contamination. So I know when we had our first child, they, uh, when we had Rachel, and when you have your children, I watch you. Anybody has their first child? The last service, uh, Adam's sister was there, and she was sitting there, and the grandparents were passing the, the little heir to the throne and everything. Sorry, Adam, you've been replaced. And uh, so they, they, they were sitting there. And, uh, and when a pacifier falls on the ground for a newborn, you run to the hottest water. You want about 210 degrees, and you want to be scalding hot, and you want to exercise all the demons and all the dirt molecules and germs off that pacifier, and then you shall put it in their mouth that should last approximately 5.2 seconds when they spit it out again for the parents to go run and do it again. It is hilarious to watch a new mom or dad. They're clueless. I've been there. Second child. You see the pacifier on the ground. You contemplate. You've done this now nine million times. You're thinking, okay, you go over to a water fountain maybe, and you just put it on there, and you'll hear it put in your mouth. When you have third child, you spit it best on it, and you put it back in the kid's mouth. Am I telling the truth? Yeah. If, if you've got four and five, you just go, hey, you're on your own, baby. But the thing is, how about Spiritually. What do we do? These pollutants, these things come from the outside, from the world. They come to invade. They come to destroy us spiritually. And what do we do? God says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Meditate on the law. Meditate on the word of God. And then you shall be like what? A tree planted by the stream that rises up, that yields its fruit in season. What do you want to be? I mean, I want to be the tree that produces fruit for my king. So God gives us a word there. And at Christ's community, I just think that God wants to make people that are transformed. Second point. Leave there with me. Create core curriculum. Core curriculum is, is a pretty important thing. And, and we have a curriculum in our education system. We have curriculum here at Christ's community. Let me give this one to you. Our curriculum here is the C2 growth track. It's a 201 and a 301 course. In the 201, you learn the spiritual disciplines, how to read the Bible, how to pray, how to meditate, how to give, how to do the things that Jesus tells us to do. 301 is my favorite course. You learn what are spiritual gifts, but specifically you learn what are your spiritual gifts and how you activate them in the body of Christ and in the world for Jesus' sake. But you know, in 1962, there was a 6-1 to one Supreme Court decision that messed up America. That was the time that we kicked God out of school. We said, God, there's no place for you in the institution of learning. We want you to leave. And he kind of moved out from the place that he was. He still goes today to school through believers in Jesus Christ. Amen. But he's not invited as he once was. They said that, God, you're a non-factor. God, you are now released. 
you know what's sad? So many, that was the only teaching they got. And he's been released from the equation of the home. And I'm saying, church, let's bring back God to the house of God. Let's bring it back to our individual homes and we can grow strong and mighty. I think about the little girl. She went with her mom to the pediatrician. And this pediatrician was quite the character. And he just, he was a lot of fun. He loved kids. Duh, he's a pediatrician. I mean, wouldn't you love to go to a pediatrician that hated kids? I mean, that'd be one I would not go to. And be like going to a student minister that thought teenagers were all rebels. But okay. So he goes to the, he goes to the uh, pediatrician and he goes over there and he does his examination. And he looks in little girl at Susie's ear and says, Susie, I see Big Bird in the ear. She looks at her mom and goes, he's kind of weird, but okay. And then looks down her throat and goes, oh, Susie, cookie monster's down there in your stomach. Okay. She just kind of laughed. And he went over there and he got his stethoscope and started listening. To her heart? She said, hey, Susie, guess what? Hey, wait a minute. I hear Barney in your heart. She looked at him and says, silly, Jesus is in my heart. Barney is on my underwear, okay? <laughs> now, that little girl, she had been raised around somebody knowing about Jesus. Because a lot of kids just go, man, this is fun. This is Disney World for the doctor, you know? We're animals. But, you know, there's a core curriculum that God wants to build in our life. And I want to talk about it. Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter, the seventh verse, he talks to the Israelites here. And he says, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. No government, no club, no school. These people are not going to teach it. It is primary instruction for parents to raise their kids up in the instruction and the admonition of the Lord Jesus Christ. The church, therefore, is to supplement, to create environments for spiritual growth. And I found this verse in Isaiah, the 38th chapter, the 19th verse. Isaiah 38, 19. Write it down. I love this passage. One generation makes known your faithfulness to the next. That is our assignment, parents. That isn't our assignment, grandparents. And you that are young that don't have kids, but one day your generation or your responsibility and your job is to pass from this generation to this generation the deeds of the Lord God Almighty. For me, I was the first Christ follower in over a century, in my family tree. I'd read some stuff, and there were some preachers and some lineage way back, and somewhere there was a disconnect. I don't know where, but as it came down to me, there wasn't Christ exalting, honoring principles. Good parents, loving parents, providing parents, caring parents. But Christ was not the example and the leader of our home. 31 years ago this week, I became a Christ follower. I turned that tide. I married another Christ follower. God gave us a family. We have more Christ followers. We will graft in other Christ followers. I'm looking forward to the next generation called grandchildren, that they will come to know Christ, and they will pass it on and on. It is the help of the church of Jesus Christ. What are you passing on? You're like, well, pastor, my great-great-granddad was a preacher, and he was a preacher, and I'm a preacher. And you know, we, just, we just love God. That is awesome. But the people I've been meeting at Christ Community for 13 years, we got a lot of dysfunction running around. And it's okay because God starts with this generation if it's the first or the third or the tenth, and he just keeps building, and he says, pass it to the next generation. That's why I love children, because we believe we have to invest in them. Look at point A. Teach the kids to love the Lord completely. A relationship with God, a living, dynamic union with Jesus. Just don't teach them religion, please. But give them influence and teach them to have an impact for Christ and to be young champions and young Timothys. 
young Rebecca's, young Esther's. Make them to be people of the kingdom. In 2237 in Matthew, Jesus replies, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and yes, with all your strength. Love the Lord God with everything that you've got. That's what we want to pass to the generation that we take them into eternity because we model Jesus Christ to them. And they model it to their friends. The second one is we teach kids to love themselves accurately. See, the psalmist says, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And somebody needs to know that today. You are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God, your creator. And God is crazy about you. I'm glad he's crazy about me. How about you? We're reading a book right now as a staff that I've gotten them. It's called Crazy Love. Francis Chan. It's a great book. You might want to pick it up sometime. But God is crazy, madly in love with you and with me. And I'm so glad he is. So we teach him to love and and we go and then look at as we teach them to love accurately. When kids feel secure, they don't succumb to peer pressure as quick because they feel like, man, you know what? When I go off, I represent Christ. I represent my home. My God loves me. And then I want to give this to you because I found this illustration years ago and I ran across it last night. I'd forgotten. I used to use it all the time as I'd speak across the country. It's one of my favorite illustrations. Ron Hutchcraft, he's a modern day parable teacher. And Ron gives an illustration about paper plates. And I don't know about you, but we use paper plates at our house or styrofoam, and you use them at yours. And have you ever just got through eating a meal? And when you got through, you go, hey, let's go over there and rinse and wash off this plate. We'll use it again. Gross! You don't do that. You just throw, you just scarred paper plates. But you know what you do? You boomers that stood up, you know what I'm talking about? We have this thing at home. Fine, China. Break it, you'll die. I'm scared to death of that stuff. We don't ever use it. Hey, Donna's not in this service. Kind of ugly, you know? <laughs> no, but let me tell you, I helped pick it because she asked me. You know, we were checking out China patterns. I, oh, yeah, you know. And I guess 30-something years ago, it was gorgeous, you know? And now I just go, it made you happy. It makes me happy. You know what I'm saying? But we... You know, we have a lot of Christmas china. I love our Christmas china. She uses that all the time. And it's, all, it's pretty. But you know what? Fine china, what do you do? You save it for those special guests that come to your house, and you use it. And if somebody takes it with them, or you don't just get through eating off fine china and go, Pew! man, you don't do that. You're careful. And you know what God says? You're not paper plates. You're fine china for the king. You are china for the king of kings. And you're special. And he, he treasures you. And you're his beloved possession. God loves you. He's crazy about you. And next time you feel worthless and not valuable, you go meditate on Psalm 139 and you find some more scriptures. Say, God, you are crazy about me. You're unfailing love. God, you call to me in the noon and in the night and in the morning. God, you love me. God, I love you. Jeremiah 31.3. The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I've loved you with an everlasting love. I've drawn you with a loving kindness. I don't know, that just encourages me. How about you? You're special. Hear the message of God. Hear it today, folks. Somebody needs to hear that message, man. Somehow you, you have believed a lie. Tell you how true this word is this morning. I just had an opportunity to speak blessing a moment ago. Somebody in our church had a difficult week, and I could see the pain in their face. And I went up to him and spoke a word of blessing and that you're treasured and you're a wonderful parent. And God loves you. 
And they begin to weep. Have you ever been there where you feel like you were the worst parent on the planet? Wait a minute. Have you ever had that day when you were the worst dad or mom? Just raise your hand high. I have. All the rest of you got it together, do you? Here, I'm going to write down names right now. Hypocrite. No, you know, you just have that. You need to treasure them. You need to honor them. Say, God, I love it. I like. I love this. We, we celebrate. We, we affirm. We, we love them accurately. One of the things we do around here, we love to hug. And today I've got a love deficit, a hug deficit. Candy wasn't here this morning. Candy, are you now here? Okay, so we're going to have a hug deficit. Okay, but we're known as a hugging church. And I love to hug. And, and then we sing Kumbaya together. It's a beautiful feat we do around here. But we're not going to sing Kumbaya. But people love to hug. And, and we affirm and, and we shake hands. And I know some of you just, you freak out. You ain't going to hug nobody. And I've gotten over it. It's like you're not going to hold your hands up and worship Jesus either. I, I, I've gotten used to that. And that's okay. Because in this church there is freedom. And you can put your hands in your pockets. And I'll stare at you. But, you know, you can do that. Or you can raise one hand or you can raise both hands. And you, and you can hug somebody or you can choose to just not. So here's what I do with some of the kids sometimes. Because I can't hug everybody. I try to hug. But I started this thing we, a while back, and we go running up, and we, we do, hey, hey, bro, and we do that. I, and I find myself doing it with 50 and 60-year-old people sometimes. They look at me like, power to you, bro, you know. And, uh, but, but I hug, and I do this. And if people are real sick, I'm doing a whole bunch of this. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, I love when they hug me. They go, Pastor, I'm dying of pneumonia, and I've got germs, and I've been throwing up for three weeks, but I wanted to come share it with you. I'm like, oh, stay at home. Okay, so. So here it is. So one day, my little buddy, Cole Womble, he's the Tim and Chrissy's middle child. He comes running in the hall. Pastor Keith! And he comes running for me. And when he did, we do this. And he goes, whoop! And he hit me as hard as he could. Boom! Oh! And he does this, and he takes off. And man, it kind of hurt. And I said, man, you know, he shouldn't have hit me so hard. He comes back out. Blood is dripping off his finger. He has hit, I have a pretty big college ring. He hit my college ring. I look down and there's flesh hanging out the prongs of my ring. Now me and Cole got this cool thing. Hey, bro. We, we, we just do this. I've seen him tell his buddies, don't hit the pastor. It's a good verse. I read over here in Amos. It's really a cool verse. No, I'm just kidding. But you know, we, we want to be a loving and affirming and we love them accurately. And we go, God, we, we want to inspire people with hope. And, and then the third one, we love, we teach them, we help them to love themselves with compassion, compassionately. First John says this, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love therefore is made complete in us. We have not seen him, but we are to express the unquenchable love of God to others. I love it around here. We do the H2O, the Ham Harvest Outreach at Thanksgiving. We've got a whole series of events we're going to do in 09 that we'll unveil as the year goes on. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're just going to love people in Jesus' name collectively and corporately and individually, and we pray you'll get into it. But you know, the third one is the one I want to really move to quickly. We need to concentrate on the Word of God and let it run deep in our life. You know, Rand talked about some hair transplants and stuff and roots. But I thought about something that I had done a few years ago. Root stimulator and plant starter solution. I was thinking about this as I was studying this week. I never will forget, if you're planting trees and shrubs, you need to get some of this stuff. This is miracle stuff. This is God thing. I think it comes from heaven or something. I don't know, maybe a little bit of manna left over. But all I know is, we, we planted these uh, Leland Cypress at my home a few years ago. We wanted to create this barrier and windscreen and everything. And, man, I'd go out there and, you know, I'd pray and we'd water and plant them. And, 
and put this root stimulator. It is amazing. These, these, these trees now are just so massive, and they just grow every year. I think they're supposed to grow somewhere between 60 and 85 foot tall. Isn't, isn't that cool? Unless they fall. But, uh, but, it, but, it, but it's a neat thing. Root stimulator. And you know, I thought, man, I'll get some help for the yard, and I need to stimulate the, the, the tree because I want the tree to grow strong, and I want its roots to grow deep, and I want it to be big. But then I thought about the eternal stimulator. It's God's Word. Do I root myself in God's Word daily? Do I root myself that I could grow strong and not be a tumbleweed that just kind of blows wherever the wind carries it, but I become a sequoia that has roots that go incredibly deep? After last service, one of our active attendees walked up to me and he says, I want you to tell, I want to tell you, Pastor, that you version thing you challenged me to, on my iPhone, when I'm not reading at home, I'm on my iPhone, and I'm constantly keeping up with the daily readings of God's Word. He says, that's really helping me to run my roots deep in Jesus Christ this year. Just a way to help us grow. And there's a passage that I love, Colossians 2, 6, and 7. It says, so then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him, rooted, circle that, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and then overflowing with thankfulness. As God roots His life, as He roots His Word in you and I, it produces something, thankfulness. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is expressed through our life. God, would you root us as moms and dads? Would you root us, period, as Christ followers, that we can follow your way? Lord, your word is much more than a prop. It's a guide for life. It's strength. It's substance. God, father us, even today. You know, some of you are so thankful for your heritage and you're praising God right now for the roots that you have. Some of you don't have a root system, and I pray that today you would establish a root system with Jesus Christ and, and get to know Him because He's worthy. Can I just get you to bow your heads as the lights come down? And let's just take just a couple minutes, and we're just going to do business with the Lord. Over here on this side, on the right side of the room, there's a cross. And I'm going to invite people just to walk over there quietly, take a friend. There will be some elders or a pastor over there just to help you, to aid you in your spiritual development. Maybe you want to give your heart to Jesus and become a Christ follower. Maybe you want to get assurance of your salvation. Maybe you want to be prayed for. Maybe you're going through a storm and you just need somebody to be with you. Well, there's an opportunity for you to go over there and just receive some spiritual counsel, some spiritual support. But let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning that you have fathered us in Jesus Christ. I thank you for fathering me, Lord. Thank you for fathering my kids. Thank you for fathering this church. Father, would you make us more like you? We invite you now, Lord Jesus, to be the center of our church, of our homes. I pray that somebody's coming under conviction and you know Jesus Christ is not the center of your life and you want him to be Lord, to be master to be redeemer and friend. Give your heart to Jesus. The Apostle Paul says that we need to continue to work out our salvation, not work on. Our salvation was earned at the cross of Calvary. But he said, let your salvation work out. Let it express itself in deeds and acts of obedience to the King. For it is God who works His will in you. Father, I pray that you would work your will in us right now as Christ followers. I pray that you would work your will in us as parents, 
is maybe we're going to be parents in the future. I know there's some here that are pregnant today, God. I, I pray they would be godly. I pray for the youth this morning, God, that aren't parents. Thank you, Jesus. But I, I pray that they would be godly. They would be getting principles today for their life, for their journey. But Lord, you have given us something for every person in this room today. May we concentrate on you, Lord Jesus, and on your word. And may it run deep in our lives. We love you, God. We need a touch of heaven right now. May your Holy Spirit work and move and plant believers in the stream of God. That they might bear fruit for the namesake of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, next week is the last weekend of the Kids CEO series, and it's called We Need Wings. I hope you'll